This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. Yes, we are back. A new A-League men's season is only days away. This is the Brisbane Football Review with James Scott and Adam coming to you on Clutch Radio and the A-League Live app. And guys, I've got to say, Season 17, almost old enough to drink the A-League men's competition is, and it's going to be an excellent season coming. Adam, how are you? I'm good. Uh, it's actually good to know that the actual season's about to start. Um, and that's congratulations to the league's new broadcast partner because they haven't been shy in actually getting the news out there. So, look, I'm actually pumped up for it. Scott, how about you? I'm good. It's interesting because in season 17, we're almost at the point where kids who grew up on the very young at the start of the A-League, getting to the point where they can actually go to games and drink, it just makes you feel a bit old, doesn't it? In so many ways. It really does, but um, well, actually, before we get going on the uh, fourth episode of the season six of the Brisbane Football Review, uh, we may as well just pay off a tease that we uh, let in at the end of season five of the podcast. We did talk about adding a fourth member to the show, and come March, we will be doing just that, a little boy being added to my house. So that's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I'm sure my new coffee machine will get put to plenty of use there. Yeah, like I said, we obviously we've said in private, but uh, congratulations publicly. Yes, congratulations. We're looking forward to having our new executive producer keeping you in line because oh. I know Adam and I can't, so. <laughs> I will probably be that tired and delirious come mid-March that it is going to be. Uh, some very interesting things getting said on this show, I'm sure, but either way... If you are tuning in for the first time, possibly on Clutch Radio, uh, very pleased to be on the airwaves there as uh, you're hearing us on Wednesday night or Thursday, possibly. But yeah, this is a Brisbane Football Review. We are a primarily Brisbane-focused football show, so we will be, for the better part of this season, paying attention to the trials and tribulations of the Brisbane Raw men's and women's side. And in the meantime, we'll also be going around with season... With part two of our season preview, I'm already getting used to the sleep deprivation, clearly. And today, we're going to go around the A-League men's competition with uh, a look at some of the Raw's rivals for honours in season 17 or 21-22 season, whatever you want to call it. But before we do that, email, if you want to get in touch with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Send in any comments, questions, segment ideas, suggestions for a new producer who can do a better job pushing the buttons than I can. And also, uh, Facebook, The Raw Review. There's a whole long story for that. I won't go down that track now. Twitter, at BNE Football. On both of those social accounts, you can find live coverage of every Brisbane Raw senior match, plus selected National Premier League's Queensland uh, matches as well. And coming in February or March, or whenever the new season starts, the NPL Sunday Show will be back, which is a Scott and Adam production. So that's actually probably a fairly good selling point for a lot of our audience that it's only the two of you. Yeah, it's on hiatus at the moment. <laughs> yes, because the uh, very, very lengthy 2021 NPL Queensland season is finally over and done with, and uh, we can take a breath for about three days before the Raw's A-League campaign gets underway. So, as mentioned, we do have a new broadcast partner for the A-League after 16 seasons with Fox, and 
I have to say, I'll give them credit. 12 of those 16 years were, you know, really strong effort from Fox as well. But uh, in the end, you know, external circumstances kind of got in the way, be it a pandemic, be it other um, sporting interests or whatnot. And I just hope that, you know, you don't uh, forget the contribution that Fox had in the early days of this competition. But now all the focus is on Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus, And the first thing I've got to say is the promotion has been you know, at a level that I can barely remember over the last decade, really. Mostly because the, uh, you know, we were down for a little baby moon on the Gold Coast this past weekend, and on the side of the light rail, there were all sorts of 10 and Paramount Plus, the home of football in Australia, uh, ads plastered over the side of those trams. So that was really good to see. Yeah, and that's exactly like I said. Just everything from the promotion, like the ad is just, it's just brilliant. Um, that that's been run. That's been running on um, for for a number of weeks now. Uh, obviously, the catchy tune. Um, I can't get enough. Which I, I personally think is probably up there with the original uh, A League uh, A League sort of promotion when the uh, when it started in two thousand five. So it, catchy tune. Um, great great slick production. But I think most of all as well, it's a multi sort of a multimedia attack it's not only on tv but on radio as well and even even seeing that you know watching on tens um other hd channels um up, up here in brisbane they're actually not only they're, they're obviously the main fixture is the uh sydney derby but then there's sort of the short the short you know, 10 second uh back end that says oh also melbourne city versus brisbane raw friday night and paramount plus so it's obviously it's also targeted as well so look um I, like it's nine out of ten for me as far as um, like almost pun wise uh, with their with their promotion so far, and it only can lead you get you um, sort of pumped up for the season. I have found myself just having that you know uh, version of just can't get enough in the back of my head quite a lot over the last few weeks, and that to me shows that it's done its job. Yeah, Adam gave it a nine out of ten. I'll give it a ten out of ten. I think it's been absolutely fabulous what they've done. Everything they've done since they've got the rights has been absolutely brilliant. You think not just what they've done in terms of the football and what Channel Ten have done with all the with all the cross promotion, having football people on other shows to help boost the interest in it. Also on the news up here as well, you've seen a lot of stuff from Ten News Queensland. It's been absolutely fabulous and. You're right, there's a lot of promotion out there. The ad is absolutely fantastic. You look at what how Channel 10 have respected the game in terms of who they've brought in to present it and to call the games for them. It's absolutely fabulous. I don't think they've done anything that people would look at and say that's a questionable move. I think it's been a... The, the people they've got running it, James, are absolutely fantastic. And I'm look, I think it's going to help boost the league. I'm really intrigued exactly what ratings it gets this weekend. It should be absolutely, absolutely huge given it's the Sydney Derby... And the Melbourne Derby are the two games that are going to be on that Saturday night primetime window. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes, but everything they've done so far has been fabulous. Well, it's a Sydney Derby and a Melbourne Derby, not the Melbourne Derby. That's why I called it a Melbourne Derby. Yeah, and I think also as well, um, the, the, the great thing as well about about this promotion is that even those who don't follow football, or even those who even you know dislike this code of football, it's not it's it's not a you can't escape. Though at least on on Fox, the excuse would be, oh, is the A League starting? Because the the promotion of of the of the competition didn't seem to go outside of the sphere that is Fox Sports. You just can't ignore it. It's on. It's on. Yeah, every. You know, it's on in prime time commercials and all that. And even if you have no interest whatsoever in the game, 
Um, look, at least they know that the A-League's starting. If they want to tune in and watch it, that's their prerogative or not. But the fact is that the message is out there loud and clear. The A-League is here and it kicks off Friday night or the big game on, on Sunday. Well, you think back to 12 months ago, James, I mean, the season pre, the season launch was, what, half of the league, the teams that Fox decided to invite to the to Sydney for the launch in, what was it, a back room of a kitchen at a hotel or something? It was just, it was very clearly like it's not a priority. Whereas Channel 10 have put this front and centre. That's the big difference. That's why I think there's going to be a, a big spike this year is it's very much front and centre and they've gone hard, Channel 10, with it. And I think they're going to get rewarded for it. And that's that's one of the things that has come about because of this uh, broadcast deal where Channel 10 or CBS Viacom International, whatever the actual company name is, they've got a vested interest in making sure that this um, A-League competition goes well because, if I'm not mistaken, they actually uh, took a minority ownership stake in the APL as an entity. So they also have a reason to really want to get behind it because, let's be honest, this is 2021. Pretty much everything is being done with some sort of financial motivation and there's nothing wrong with that. It is shrewd business from the APL to you know, get a broadcaster that is invested in the league. And uh, we've also seen um, Channel 10 decide, all right, well, they're going to throw their full weight behind it because I, I will admit, you know, their sport offering overall, especially in the last five or so years, has been quite light. It has been. And uh, so, like I said, you, the, the cross-promotion, I think, is the most important thing. And, the, and it hasn't been too tacky either. Um, it's not like that, you know, some of the suggestions and whatnot we've seen, you know, on social media about that, which, you know, it was ha-ha, funny-funny sort of stuff. But, like, having, like, subtle stuff, like, say, Tara Russian, you know, appearing on, you know, um, Have You Been Paying Attention, which, you know, the ratings of that, you know, are, are huge on a Monday night. Justifiably, so it is the best show on TV. Yeah, well, I'd take the word for that. But, uh, Are you one of the three people yeah, that like, don't watch that show, Adam? Huh? You're one of the three people that don't apparently watch Apparently not, yeah. No, no, I don't watch it, but uh, I might have changed that. But, but see, it's just stuff like that. I think uh, you had um, you had Tom Hamed and I can't remember who the Sydney player was. They were on Studio 10 to launch, the, like, to promote the derby. It's just subtle cross-promotion like that is what... I think, you know, having a free-to-wear partner and having so many different, you know, resources and outlets to be able to do that, I think it's just a benefit to the game. And I suppose the only, you know, just for the sake of, you know, not making it all sound like sunshine and roses here, the one issue that I think you are going to find, and this is just anecdotally talking to people around here, you do lose those channel surfers uh, going to a streaming service like Paramount Plus because it now means... To watch a game, you've actually got to go and actively find it. And I suppose that's where it is going to possibly um, play out in the streaming numbers. We saw this with the Super Rugby competitions last year when they moved to Stan, where if you're flick- just flicking through the channels, you're not going to accidentally stumble on Central Coast against Adelaide and, oh, this actually looks quite interesting. I might stick around for five minutes. You do sort of lose that in terms of a, um, a potential audience. You do, but you also you got to look at the fact that Fox Sports's subscription numbers have been dwindling anyway. So you to, the number of people who would have been surfing around on there trying to find it were were smaller. And to offset that, you get prime time free to wear coverage on the main channel on a Saturday night. Plus, I think the A League women's games will be on Sunday afternoon. So you, that's the trade off that you get. You may not get the surfing audience, but you'd get the um, 
you get you get prime time audience on the mainstream channel. And you mentioned James Channel Ten haven't had a lot of offerings in terms of sport for the last few years, but what they have had when they have had sport, they've done really really well with. They did a pretty good job with the again. I don't like it, but Big Bash Cricket they did a really good job with that taking a a product which at the time was not considered to be premium sporting content and took it to a spot where it's as not if not higher rated than than the test cricket. So they've, they've proven they can take a, a product from a level and take it to another level. So I think that's a, another encouraging sign for the football. Absolutely. And um, yeah, just and that Big Bash point is actually way better than what I was going to say there. So I'll uh, leave you to it and throw to Adam. Yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's a case of um, yeah, they they yeah, there's a premium there's a premium market, but I think uh, what they do want is at the end of the day, I think the, the numbers that go mad the most are the you know other numbers on Saturday night in prime time. Um, like I said, having Paramount Plus, I think that that's designed for those who support who either follow football or you know follow a certain team. It, the, the but the crown the jewel as far as the coverage for the A League will be, you know, the, the prime time Saturday night game, as will the Sunday afternoon game of 10 bold for, for the uh, for the A-League women. Uh, I think that's also as well. And that would be, that's where you want on Sunday afternoon, especially where there's hardly anything on. I, can, I think they'll be banking on, you know, a lot of, um, you know, channel surfers, you know, hitting, hitting 10 bold. Absolutely. Now, two points I just want to uh, make before we wrap up this broadcast discussion, because quite honestly, I think we could do a whole show on it if we really felt like it. Um, if you are listening on Clutch Radio, this is the Brisbane Football Review. Glad to have you on board and joining us. Um, firstly, uh, I finally got my uh, Paramount Plus subscription sorted out uh, yesterday. And just in the last 20 or so minutes, I got my subscription code to sign up thanks to my Raw membership. So uh, I will be testing out the Paramount Plus app uh, later tonight. The only point that I do want to make on uh, the app as well is... I really hope whatever inevitable technological gremlins are popping up over the next, I would say, you know, month, two months, while they sort themselves out, aren't held against them for too long. We've seen with Optus uh, Sport with their, well, let's call it for what it was, calamity with the 2018 World Cup. Thankfully, that didn't uh, ruin what was a fantastic product in the end. And they've been producing some real top quality content over at Optus. And you hope that that will uh, be the case for Channel 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Secondly, I just want to touch on the uh, full-time personnel that they've brought over to commentate on the games. Obviously, it, there was, it was a no-brainer bringing on Simon Hill. He was always going to be the must-have asset for uh, the upcoming season. But look at some of the other names they've brought on board. They've got Simon Hill, Andy Harper, Mark Milligan, Bruce Jitte, who... I think may actually turn out to be uh, the best non-lead commentator acquisition. It seems like Robbie Thompson, who we may remember from the A-League a few years ago, he's actually going... I think he's actually going to be the second best commentator that they've got behind Hill. And he'll be a really good uh, asset to have for them after spending some time over in Paris. The two other full-time uh, league calls they've got, Teo Pelizzeri, who, again, you know, anyone in Victoria will tell you just how good Teo can be. And the young rising star of commentary, Ben Homer, who got a chance to shine in uh, the last 18 months with Fox Football's coverage. Add that to the likes of uh, Michael Zappone, Scott McDonald, uh, Amy Chapman, uh, Georgia Yeomandale, Alex Brosk, etc., etc. I'm not going to run through all those names, but they have assembled a pretty good stable of personnel 
as well as, uh, of course, as mentioned before, Tara Rushton. So, yeah, I, I think there's so much to look forward to with this. And you know the people who are involved are going to do everything they can to try and make it as good as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it comes down to. You know, a team you trust, a team that have you know have the knowledge. And, uh, you know, person, personality-wise, you may not uh, always like them, but, you know, you can always respect them as far as that they, they have the... Um, yeah, the coverage of the game at heart the most. Um, that's not that's not having a shot at Fox either. I think I think we've been that you know we've always had we've been lucky that you know we've had you know per- personalities that you know care about football very very much and you know like I said may, may long continue. And that's that's probably the only thing that I would be hoping for as well is you know they have a good mix of opinions, some of which you're going to agree with, some you're going to disagree with. The key will just be making sure that they're, you know, well-researched commentators and they're not repeating the same stuff over and over again week after week because they are going to get found out. Absolutely. And that's the thing. I mean, you look at who they've taken to to Channel 10. They've brought over the best of what Fox Sports had and then they've added to, to that with some really good football minds. You mentioned Bruce Jitter. He is an incredibly smart individual, both in terms of what he can bring in terms of his experience, but also his off-the-field off the field analysis of of behind the scenes and how football works in this country he can bring a lot in that role and I think if you look at their colour commentary and their experts James a lot of them are really analytical in terms of what they're going to bring to the things to the coverage so I think that's going to be a difference compared to what you saw on Fox where it was a lot of a lot of cliches and a lot of stuff you heard repeatedly week in and week out I think it's going to be more analytical and they're probably going to be able to explain to you what's happening in terms of why a team is winning as opposed to just generic statements. I think that's the difference, but I think in terms of the league commentators, they've got the best two that they could possibly have in Australian football with Robbie Thompson and Simon Hill. I'm looking forward to hearing what they've got to say all season long. And there will be some Australian accents on there as well with uh, Ben Homer and Teo. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that joke in. Alright. Now we're going to go around the A-League men's competition and uh, if you are wondering about our Brisbane Raw thoughts. We did a whole episode on the Brisbane Raw last week. You can find that on our podcast feed. It's available on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, and also on the A-League Live app. Uh, So we're going to go through in alphabetical order of um, the other 11 clubs now, and we're going to start off with Adelaide United, who for a while there, I actually would have almost called them the Raw's biggest rivals based on just the uh, unintentional rivalry that the Aloisi brothers managed to foster with that club. Last season, they finished fifth and lost the semi-final to Sydney FC. They've brought back Isaias, George Blackwood, and uh, also added Nick Ansel. A uh, couple of notable outs, Ryan Strain, Tommy Urit, and Al-Hassan Toure. And got a few uh, raw connections at Adelaide United, Scott. Yeah, there's a couple of errors now. There always is around the league. But with Adelaide, you mentioned it. <laughs> it goes back to Aloisi brothers, uh, versus, I forget who it was, the coach there at the time. Gear Moore. But, Gear Moore. But it goes right back to Miron Blyberg versus um, John Cosmina, doesn't it? Right back in season <laughs> one and two on the sideline. So there's always something going on between Adelaide and Bruce. But we're looking at Adelaide as a squad, it's... Uh, I don't see the improvement with them. I mean, I look at it and I think, are they, where are the goals going to come from for Adelaide? There's lost Tommy Uri, who obviously was outstanding in the, in the elimination final up here against the Raw last year, helping them to the win there. But I don't see who's... Unless George Blackwood has turned into a 10-plus goal-a-year striker for them in one year at Oldham, where are the goals for Adelaide? 
the rest of it's very similar. They're very similar to Brisbane in the sense that they promote South Australian talent, which I'm all for clubs doing that in the in the A League. But I just don't see where the goals are for Adelaide. I think they're going to have to be counting on uh, midfield to really, um, yeah, to really contribute goals. You've got Craig Goodwin, even Stefan Moore can uh, pop up with a goal here and there. But it is going. It does look very light on in terms of overall strikers. And I'll be totally honest. Isaias was, you know, a phenomenal on-field player, even though I've heard multiple people call him the sneaky, dirtiest player in the A-League in his original stint uh, with Adelaide, mostly because any time there was a foul, he'd be running and screaming at the referee uh, for a yellow and possibly red card. But are we sure he's going to be the Isaias we remember? Or is he going to be a few years older and probably not quite at that same level, Adam? Yeah, look, it's always interesting, you know, especially he spent a year in uh, the MPL South Australia, um, so between between his stints at uh, Adelaide United. But look, I think as far as Adelaide goes, I think the re- they retaining Craig Goodwin, I think that, that's a huge win for them. I think as long as they can keep sort of him him sort of you know fit and you know playing well, they're always going to be sort of there and about. I think it's it, it looks a very Workman-like sort of side, you know. They you got some very reliable players, you know, especially in their internet and then sorry, their visa players. Uh, Michael Jacobson, one day, you know, Harvey Lopez. You know, you throw in also Ben Halloran and Stephen Mork. Um, that, that's, that's a very solid core. The problem is, is that what happens if two, three, four of those players, you know, have long stints on sideline due to injury? Um, I think that's where they may be tested. That might be the, um, I guess the Achilles heel for Adelaide is if, if they can't keep that core that core of seven I just mentioned out in the park for the majority of the season I think they're going to struggle because basically they're left with either journeyman or untried youngsters to try and fill in the gaps also all those visa players are all the wrong side of 30 so when you get that side of 30 James as you know injuries are always much more likely but in the front third are they relying on a Mohamed Toure or a Cassini Yengi to really take a big step forward this year is that what they're going to be relying on because if, if that's all I can think of in terms of the front third for them is one of those young kids must be ready to really pop and go, go to that next level because apart from if that doesn't happen I can't see where the goals are yep pretty much alright uh, we will try and keep this as relatively uh, quick as we can but we do want to you know try and pay a fair amount of attention to every club so let's keep moving Central Coast Mariners last season they finished third lost a very entertaining elimination final to MacArthur FC should actually be uh, mentioned as well. Last year, uh, the fifth and sixth place teams managed to upset the third and fourth teams in the semi in the elimination finals. I beg your pardon. And uh, well, yeah, that's pretty much all you can really uh, say about that because the Raw were one of those sides that were upset. So that wasn't a very good day up at Morton Daly Stadium, was it, Scott? No, it wasn't the best day, was it? Not really. Hopefully, we'll be uh, celebrating a finals win this season. Not to tip my uh, ladder prediction later in the show. Anyway, Mariners, third. Um, I won't run through uh, the full list of ins and outs, but all I will say is, why can't the Mariners have nice things? They were building so nicely last season, and then it's all kind of gone away. Uh, Nick Montgomery has replaced Alan Stajic at, uh, as the club coach. By all accounts, he managed to beat Olympic FC coach Ben Kahn to the job. Ben having the connection with the Mariners Academy previously. And I'll, I'll be totally honest. I think the Mariners are going to, uh, you know, be called a flash in a pan after 
pretty rough off-season, Adam. Yeah, look, uh, I think it's... It's almost sad in a way to see that you, they were building a lot, um, and obviously they were, tr- they were uh, obviously on the momentum, finished third, which was a fantastic result. You know, almost hark back to their championship days when, the, you know, in the early you know, 2010s. So yeah, it's it's disappointing. They, they, I think my problem with them is that the players they've lost, you know, just a, a couple, you know, Alu Kual, you know, Gianni Stesnas, Danny De Silva, just as three names there. They haven't really replaced them much. They're asking for, you know, players like, you know, Moresh, who the uh, Brazilian striker, Moreshe, I think it would uh, be interesting how it's pronounced. He, he, uh, yeah, he comes in from Singapore. Uh, a player like Asai Goddard, Ben Nicolo. Like, these are names that, you know, look, the, the, the pressure's going to be on them from match one. There's going to be no, you know, sort of adaptation, you know, sort of, you know, familiarization period. If... Mariners are going to do anything this season. Those players have got to fire from basically the first kick of the season. So um, that's, that's going to be, I think it's going to be a hard ask, especially for Nick Montgomery, who, yes, he's a good coach. He's part of the furniture at the Mariners. Uh, but this is this is a different level again. It's a bit of a reset once again for the Central Coast Mariners. And that's the great shame is that Alan Stadge did such an unbelievable job last year. I don't think anyone predicted that they would finish in a position to get a home final. That's for sure. So I look at what they've lost and it, it's... It's not just the players; it's also the it's Alan Stadge and the and the mentality he brought. Can Nick Montgomery carry that over? We'll have to wait and see. They have brought in a couple of decent players, but I look at them and just think: at the first eleven, if they keep that on the field for 26 weeks of the season, they'll be relatively competitive. It's just again, they don't have a lot of depth behind. Them. I think they've only got 20 players. When I looked at the squads last night for our predictions. They seemed like they were a little bit short in terms of players, in terms of experience. So they're going to have to keep their those keepers Adam mentioned on the field, James. But I think it might be a more difficult season for them this year because it's just what they did last year was that unbelievable. I don't think anyone saw it coming. This year might be a bit more, bit more of a reality check for them. Twenty-one players, according to the listed squad on KeepUp.com.au, which is the new APL content hub, which we probably should have also mentioned in our first uh, little news discussion, but it's already proving to be a valuable resource for, uh, yeah, people like us who are interested in covering the A-League competition, men's and women's. Yeah, I think I think for the, what you guys said there was pretty much uh, spot on. There is a chance that the Mariners could still be good, but it does feel like, the, like losing Qual and Stensness especially, that's going to be a huge... Um, hole left in a squad that you know even at the back end of last season really was limping into finals football and you know I'm sure you know any possible new audience members coming on board are going to love being introduced to uh, A-League furniture piece Matt Simon who will uh, still continue to throw himself around for at least another season but yeah there's just a little bit too much to uh, I think it's too much for them to do to really maintain the pace as they said in the early part of last season. Brisbane Raw Connections you've got Kai Rolls and Ruan Tongik in that uh, defensive group as well as uh, former Western Pride defender Dan Hall. So a couple of uh, familiar names there if you follow football here in Queensland. Yeah, just uh, one one final fact on Mariners is that they actually, of, of all teams last season, they actually spent the most time um, on top of the ladder last season, 15, 15 rounds. So, um, so that, that just shows, you know, how, you know, how well they were going last season. And, um, yeah, look, I'm expecting a dip, unfortunately. But, you yeah, know, look, you never know. 
it's just a it's just a question of how big the dip is going to be. I feel like best case scenario for them is they might be able to sneak into fifth place or something to find themselves into um, find themselves into the finals. But yeah, I think it's going to be closer to the second half of the season, Mariners, than it is the first. But again, that's why I'm here behind the microphone and not involved uh, with the club. Moving on now to MacArthur FC and. It's a very interesting uh, setup there. They've lost quite a few big names uh, from last season. Denny Genre has gone to Toulouse FC. Uh, Matt Darvish is gone. Susayeta, Federici, Milligan, Benyat, all retired, and a few other players have gone. But just looking at the names that they've brought in, I don't think it's all that uh, wild to suggest that MacArthur might actually be better this season than they were last. Uh, Ulysses Davia is a top quality player, possibly top five in the entire competition. And I think that's going to really be uh, one of the signings of the offseason for them. What about you, Scott? Yeah, top five might even be underselling just how good of a player he is. He's absolutely fabulous. I think going forward, James, they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. You added a Urich, Noon, and Davila with Danny De Silva, just screams goals and creativity. The problem for them, I think, is going to be at the other end of the field. The loss of Adam Federici and Mark Milligan in particular just is a, a huge losses to that defensive structure of MacArthur. And they've actually it's really hurt them in pre-season. They lost all four of their pre-season games, conceding 17 goals and scoring just the six. So perhaps they're working on some, some new, new introducing the new players down there at MacArthur. But it hasn't gone well for them in the pre-season. I know they won in the FFA Cup over the weekend, but... In the front third, I think they're going to be really good. It's just, can they keep the goals out at the other end? That'll be the thing. I'm looking forward to seeing how they play, though, because, again, that front four, James, could be absolutely dynamite to watch. And that's where, and they may turn out to be one of those wildly entertaining teams just because we're going to see so many goals flying in. I think the key the key thing about their recruiting this, uh, this season is that uh, the, all the key recruits are all players that have got a lot of experience in the A-League. So it's not like, again, it's a case of a player that having to acclimatise or you know, has to get himself familiarised with the A-League. These are all players that have played at different clubs, have excelled at different clubs. Oh, this is Davia. That's a, that's a huge signing. Oh, look, I think for mine, he may be, he may be you know, a favourite to, um, to retain the, uh, the Johnny Warren Mel if everything goes well for MacArthur. So, um, it, it's, like I said, they, they've got a bunch of players that, you know, know what's expected of them. I think it's just a case of uh, whether it will gel early for them. Uh, and, the, and obviously as well, Scott alluded to defensively as well. They look a bit frail at the moment. We'll still at least trying to, you know, trying to figure it out at the moment with the, obviously their preseason sort of, you know, form hasn't been the best. So, uh, so, so yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a case of, you know, Second year syndrome as well. They've got to contend with as well. Yeah, the expectation may be high with all these signings. Can they can they adapt to that? If they can, I think it's going to be a successful season for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't want to go too heavy on the you know love for Macarthur because there is a chance that you know being a new club, we're not entirely sure how uh, settled everything is off the pitch for them. You know, still trying to. Um, yeah, not without, you know, really going overboard, but I do think they could be the biggest improvers this off-season. Um, in terms of uh, raw 
connections at MacArthur. They've got Tommy Orr, Jake McGing, and uh, Ante Milicic, the manager. I was going to ask Scott to dig up the raw stats, but I don't want to give you a big question without notice there. I'll be very nice to you there. Well, yeah, I've, I could get them for you, but there might be a bit of an interruption to the recording on this stream. I don't think he's... Uh, he didn't have the greatest of records up here in Brisbane, though, did he? No, I was just trying to remember off the top of my head, but that's why you keep your spreadsheets. I might get them for you for when they play MacArthur in a few weeks for the for this for that match preview. How about that? Sounds good. Uh, we will definitely remember that uh, for when they're playing MacArthur in about a month or so. We promise not to forget. Moving on, uh, Melbourne City, the reigning premiers and champions of Australia. Yeah, we spoke about MacArthur uh, managing to strengthen with some pretty good off-season signings. I'd say Melbourne City have done the same thing. Matthew Leckie and Manuel Pucciarelli coming in. I guess that's close enough. Uh, I'm sure I will be corrected if need be. Uh, they've replaced Craig Noon and Adrian Luna. I, I suppose there's not really too much we can say about Melbourne City other than they're going to be in the mix again this year, aren't they? They're favourites for uh, Premiership and Championship, Adam. Uh, are you ruling them out to... Oh, are they your tip to go... Back to back. Well, I don't want to give away my my season predictions, but uh, all all signs sort of you know point to that. You know, they're they're going to be there and about. It's yeah, it's it's amazing that as um as the defending reigning defending sort of you know champions and premiers that they've they somehow some way seem to strengthen their their side or at least you know like for like um you know you know Matt Leckie and uh, Manuel Putrelli uh coming into that. Uh, side, you know, I think it strengthens them. Like, pretty much uh, Melbourne City has the Socceroos starting, you know, starting uh, front three in, uh, in um, Leckie, you know, McLaren and Andrew Naboo. So, there's not much more you can say about them. I just think the only the only thing that I'd say that you could probably look at as, you know, why they they may not retain is that it, the pressure from being going from the Hunters to the Hunted and also as well that you know if you have a, a bunch of injuries as well that could derail that could derail anyone so they're probably the two things to worry about look but the the, the um, probability is that they are going to be you know right near the top again this season don't talk about the Socceroos Adam we'll be here till Friday night trying to talk through all of that mess but in terms of Melbourne City I think to answer your question James if you're finishing in front of Melbourne City there's a very very good chance you're walking away with some silverware, it's a super squad, isn't it? The front third, the front three of Naboo, Leckie, and McLaren, it should be absolutely fabulous. And we saw what Marco Tilio did at the Olympics and that back into the last A-League season. He, sh- he should be primed for another really big season. The squad does look really, really strong, and they've got, they've always got good young players, obviously, coming through as well. So there's probably another couple of young players we haven't even, even seen yet who are going to have an impact for them. So... I think they're in a really good spot, James. They've got that really nice mix of experience and youth, and I think they're going to be a very tough team to stop. Without a doubt. Uh, the two uh, points I want to make on Melbourne City before we wrap up. Um, Nathaniel Atkinson, the bits that I saw uh, of their FFA Cup tie on the weekend against South Brisbane... Oh, sorry, South Melbourne uh, FC. Uh, they were just... like Nathaniel Atkinson looks like he's gone to a whole other level this season, and I get the feeling he's not long for the A-League and another uh, player former Brisbane Raw striker Jamie McLaren I honestly don't know why he is still in the A-League he I know you know there is something to be gained from a striker that plays in a league where he's scoring goals for fun but 
I honestly feel like he should be testing himself overseas because he's that good of a striker. He can score goals for fun in a you know league of a high level. I'm under no illusions that you know the A League is anything more than what it is. But yeah, like if he's happy to stay here and be a flat track bully, good for him. But surely at some point he's got to uh, have an eye on uh, proving himself overseas, whether it is going to Japan, you know, maybe South Korea, or possibly trying his hand at Europe again. But McLaren is too good to be settling uh, for playing in the A League. Yeah, look, there's always you don't you don't want to always question motives of players. You know, obviously, uh, family might be very, very important to him. Uh, yeah, if he's if he's representing his country as well as you know representing his uh, his home city team, I suppose. Uh, look, it's a more power to him. So, without without knowing his motivations and whatnot, I just think yeah, while he's in the A League, enjoy it. You know, as yeah, except for whenever they play Brisbane Raw. Yeah, pretty much. He's All tried right. it twice, though, James, hasn't he, to be over there in Europe, and it hasn't quite worked out for him. So maybe it might just be that he's just happy at this level here in the A-League. Yeah, and he, and as we remember from his time in, with Brisbane, he, he's a striker that runs off confidence and maybe playing in a league where he is, you know, the best goal scorer uh, it, on his team, best goal scorer on the pitch, you know, nine times out of ten. Maybe that's what he needs to feel like he is functioning at his highest level. I just, and I mean this with all due respect to McLaren, but at some point you've got to try and challenge yourself. But there could be a bunch of other uh, scenarios going in there as well. So let's move on to Melbourne victory. Now, just excuse me for a second. Just had a uh, phone call coming through. Got to love technology uh, in its current form. Now, do not disturb. I hadn't said on that, I thought. But anyway, uh, moving on. Melbourne victory. The Tony Popovich overhaul is in full effect there. And quite frankly, uh, <laughs> they're going to be good again, aren't they, Scott? Uh, they very well may be. Tony Popovich has completely overhauled that underperforming misfiring Melbourne victory side, got rid of a lot of the players who were clearly not up to standard last year, and they've brought in players who suit the Tony Popovich mould, don't they? I mean, look at players like Matt Spiranovic, Jason Davidson, Chris Economides for three, who he's worked with before and, and got performances out of before. I think they've they've clearly got brought in a much stronger squad this year than last year. I just wonder how long it's going to take them to gel. They haven't been able to have a full pre-season down there in Melbourne given the lockdown situation that they've been through, so... I think that could hurt them in terms of how many preseason games they have played. I think they're going to be good Melbourne victory, but I think it might be more towards the back end of the season they make a run. I think the first few weeks it could be almost just trying to to figure out exactly what they are. But the squad itself does look quite strong, and you expect that in Melbourne victory, don't you? This is what they do. If this doesn't work for them, James, I don't know what they do because they don't exactly have a strong youth set up to fall back on to to call upon. So. This is all they can do was to go out there and pick up a whole bunch of high-priced, high-quality recruits and see if it works, and we'll see if it works. I think it probably will, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Well, just on that as well, like, I think we know how Victory are going to set up. We've seen it uh, with Popovich's uh, sides in uh, Western Sydney and Perth. They're going to be strong defensively, maybe not offering too much in attack, especially early on. And yeah, we, we know what they're going to be, and 
let's be honest, that has been a recipe for success in the A-League uh, over the last decade since he's been in charge. Oh, look, I think for Melbourne victory and their sort of their fans, that the only way is up, really. Uh, they, they can't, it couldn't be much worse than what it was last season. So I think even an upward you know, spiral, uh, upwards a trend towards you know, maybe you know fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, in that might be a, a pass for them because they were just they were just awful last season, Melbourne victory by their standards. So um, yeah, I just think again, I, I agree. It's just going to be a matter of how quickly and you know, and when this side will fully gel and start clicking because when they do, it might be they might be some a team to watch. But um, yeah, I think it's um, I think yeah, I think them being right at the top. I don't think it'll be this season, but I do think that you know certainly it's going to be an upward trend. I think it's a it might be a couple of year rebuild, which you know, and they've got the right man, Tony Popovich, to um to lead that. And it does sound like they have had a bit of an off-field overhaul as well. So I'm not saying that I'm ruling out the victory. Uh, I'm not saying the victory, you know, will be competing for the title this season, but I feel like you know most weeks they're going to avoid getting. Um, embarrassed the way that they were, especially in the uh, main Melbourne derbies last season by Melbourne City. Yeah, Adam called it awful. I call it awfully funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Now, uh, Newcastle Jets, who, you know, aren't funny, aren't awful. Well, actually, they may be awful, depending on how things go in the Hunter region this season. One thing that has been... um, one thing that has happened uh, there is they've definitely uh, overhauled their squad. Um, Sam Silvera is a name that uh, jumps out for me in terms of their additions. And new coach Arthur Pappas will finally get his chance in the top flight. Adam? Yeah, look, it's a uh, baptism of fire for Arthur Pappas, you know. But he's sort of basically been given the opportunity, I think, with obviously the ownership or uh, lack thereof at the moment. You know, I said lack thereof, not a... Um, independent owner as we know that the Newcastle Jets are actually owned by you know part of the um, the the APL so um, so yeah he's basically been able to go from scratch and you know build that squad um, yeah look it's, it's hard to see them doing much this season uh, they I think um, the squad on paper does look fairly sort of weak I think you know it, like you could tell that you know a player like the sort of you look at their recruits they signed Cameron Devlin and then he then signed for Hearts in uh, in Scotland. So that, that was sort of in, in and out. Sort of you know when he and so play like Jordan Elsie, obviously very experienced to sort of um, you know marshal the uh, the centre back region. But then on the other on the flip side, you lose you know a player like a Nicola Topo Stanley, and yeah, it's they're sort of lacking in a lot of experience. So I, it's going to be hard to see them sort of really do much. But look, you never know. There's only only one way we can find out about Newcastle, but it does seem like they're, you know, maybe a step or two behind even that middle of the pack at the moment. One name that did uh, jump off the page as well for me, not uh, because I'm expecting him to turn into a 15-goal-a-season striker, but uh, Ellie Babal, who we remember from his brief stint with Brisbane Raw as well in that Darren Davies uh, managerial tenure. I really hope he can stay healthy. Like, I don't, I still don't know if he's necessarily going to be you know, the all-star striker that he teased the ability to be with Melbourne Hart, but you never like to see a player battling injuries, and you hope that he can at least find a way to stay on the pitch and contribute in some way, shape, or form. 
yeah, you hope he can contribute from that. He's had a really rough run with injuries, but I'll have to wait and see what he can do. For Newcastle, to me, I'm really happy that Arthur Pappas is getting this opportunity. He had a great record in MPL Victoria. He went over, was coaching underneath the Angels. This is his first real professional coaching job, so we'll see how it goes. To me, this is, this is all about the visa players for Newcastle. It's either going to be rocks or diamonds. There's not going to be much in between with them. I mean, they were reasonably good against Western United in patches on the weekend, but they're relying on players like Becca, Mikkel Tadze and Daniel Pena to come in and really light the league up. If they can do that, the rest of it looks solid enough, but it's all down to the visa players, James, and I just don't have the knowledge on how good any of the players are. So that'll be an intriguing team to watch in the first two weeks of the season to see just how good they actually are. And with the you know ownership situation that has been touched on already, this is one of those times where uh, Papas and company are really going to have to rely on their scouting network to find those diamonds in the rough to make them a competitive side. All right, so... So shout out to Michael Weir, by the way, who's down there as a goalkeeper, having spent a lot of time in NPL Queensland. It's a great opportunity for him. Took the words right out of my mouth. Let's move on now. Perth Glory, they have added a few interesting uh, players, uh, but the departures are really going to be uh, key for them here. Diego Castro has finally uh, moved on by the sounds of it, as has Chris Economides and Neil Kilkenny. That is a lot of leadership to replace. They've signed, um, you know, the player everyone knows, this attacker, uh, I assume been at the highest level, Adrian Sardinero. They've also added Brad Jones, who was featured in the World Cup, and a Daniel, Dan, Danny Sturridge, I think. Never heard of, heard of him. <laughs> Of course, Didn't he play for uh, a couple the, of mediocre English clubs, James? Definitely one that plays out of Merseyside. Yeah. And he and he likes a haircut too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, we look. Um, look, it's all it's all about the aforementioned Daniel Sturridge, because I think I think it's, he's the key to it all for Perth Glory this season. He succeeds, they succeed. If he fails, Glory fails. I think it comes it comes down to that, but also as well off the pitch as well. Um, being, I guess, the most tenured side as far as you know, the, you know, their existence as well. I think Daniel Sturridge's signing has sort of got, got them to the point where apparently where a lot of old glory you know, NSL fans are actually excited about Perth Glory again. And I think he will draw eyes from a lot of places, not only in Australia, but internationally as well. So I think from a league point of view, I think there's a hope that he does perform, that you know, he, does, he doesn't sort of, you know, like some other um, you know, well-known internationals that have come to play for Perth Glory have you know, gone and sort of really sort of been there for a holiday. So if he if he fires and actually you know is anywhere near the standard that he was you know when he played in the Premier League, I think that's a, that's a win for the league, and I think it, and I think also Perth will be very very competitive. Um, but yeah, if he if he doesn't, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think their their hopes are sunk with him. Yeah, that's exactly it, and. But health has always been the big question for um, Daniel Sturridge. Like, there's no doubting his ability by any stretch. He's always shown an eye for goal in his time uh, over in the Premier League with Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester City, I believe, as well, where yeah, health is going to be the big issue. My main concern with Perth, though, is, unfortunately for them, something out of their hands. I was speaking with Blaine uh, from Sport FM over in uh, Perth on Monday, and he has actually, uh, and you know, we had a discussion about the fact that Perth, by the sounds of things, at least with the draw as it is currently constituted, 
are going to have a home game against Adelaide United this coming weekend. So that'll be November 21st, I believe, or November 20th. And as it stands, as we're recording, their home next home game will be January 15th because of the border closures um, enforced by the WA government. So that is going to be a huge test uh, for this Perth Glory side. And I do feel like it is going to put them on the back foot. I would not be at all surprised if they go on a late season run, though, especially with the, if they get uh, a whole lot of back-to-back-to-back home games where they can really take advantage of the clubs having to travel over to the West Coast. But your question for me is, are they going to be in too big of a hole um, to dig themselves out of to make the finals? Which anyway. will be a repeat of basically last season as well, where they, like I said, it's so hard to line them up where they really wrap because of all the border closures and whatnot. And a bit like Wellington Finks, who we'll get to in a second, um, I do feel sorry for them that their, their performances, um, as far as being able to know where they stand on the on the um, on the table may not even be in their hands because of the situation. You know, playing, you know, six or seven road games in a row, that, that's, got to, that's got to be tough for um, for any club. But also as well, as Wellington's shown, how much, you know, it is affect not playing at home. Yeah, it's a tough situation for Perth with the borders, there's no doubt about that. But with Sturridge, I'm not sure that... Adam, you mentioned it's... If Sturridge fires, glory will fire if he doesn't. They went, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think he's going to score goals in this league. But we saw with players like Alessandro Del Piero when he was at Sydney, having a great player with a big name, big pedigree, performing well for you doesn't necessarily equate to the team producing well on the field. So I'm not certain that that's going to do it for Perth. I think he's going to do well. I think off the field, he's going to be a smash hit. There's a lot of English football fans in this country, as we know, and all of them are going to want to go out and see Daniel Sturridge play. So he's certainly going to get a lot of eyeballs on the league, particularly over in Perth, where there is a large expat community mm. on the rest of the team to me they're very top heavy they've got a lot of attacking players I don't know how they're going to fit them all in the team I mean you mentioned Sardinero Sturridge Bruno Fornaroli is still there Andy Keogh is still there Carlo Armiento had a breakout year last year for them that's five how do you fit all these guys into the team and have some sort of functional group behind them I think Brandon O'Neill is going to be essential for Perth Glory if he has a big season maybe he can hold the midfield together, but to me, they're a little bit top-heavy, and it'll be it'll be a lot of highlights, and I'm sure Daniel Sturridge will score a bunch of goals, but can they keep him out at the other end? That's my question. And that's why O'Neill is probably going to be uh, probably the most important signing of uh, the entire off-season for Perth, because as you mentioned there, they've just got so much uh, in attack, they will need someone to try and keep that balance uh, at the back. All right, um, and they do have uh, Liam Reddy, in goals as well, although I'm honestly not sure if he will be uh, the primary option for them You'll as well. You'll have a nice seat on the bench watching Brad Jones. <laughs> exactly. Alright, um, and just quickly on Perth before we wrap up as well, this has just come out uh, very, very recently. Perth Glory owner Tony Sage has struck a deal that will see the uh, men's club host two games in early January, but only if the WA state government comes to the party. Um, under the deal, Glory will host Sydney FC on January 2nd and the Wanderers on January 8th. Games that are currently scheduled for New South Wales. Uh, but that's only if um, the uh, WA government will allow the Sydney-based teams into the state. And that is from the west.com.au. 
So, yeah, look, I don't want to say anything about Mark McGowan, the last person to have swipe him, just got fined $2,000 by their governing body. So um, <laughs> I think I will refrain from, from that and, ho- and fingers crossed that they can get a deal done. Yes. Okay, let's move on. We will try and uh, pick up the pace a little bit as we move into the final few clubs. Sydney FC, yeah, look, uh, similar to Melbourne City, they continue to be one of the benchmark clubs with six former Brisbane Raw players. Uh, Luke Bratton, Michael Zullo, Connor O'Toole, Costa Barbarousas, and Andrew Redmayne. Uh, the notable ends, James Donachy, Elvis Kamsoba, and Max Burgess. We will keep this uh, relatively straightforward. A question for both of you, starting with Scott. Uh, will um, Sydney FC suffer any sort of drop-off this season? Marginal, but not too much for me. I still think they're a super squad. It's a squad as well that's got a lot of young players coming through. James mentioned the guys they brought in. I think a lot of their improvement is going to be from guys like Harry van der Sarg, Patrick Wood, players like that who got a bit of opportunity last year. We'll probably get more opportunities this year. I can't see them falling away very far, to be honest with you. I think they're still a super team. I I actually think that it's a stable squad. I think they've re- they've replaced what they've lost. But um, with a lot of their top stars, you know, if, if they get injured, they're, they're in big trouble, Sydney. And as, as we saw last season where they went sort of into a mid, mid-season dip because they were missing, you know, players like, um, you know, Ninkovic and, uh, and, and, and uh, Bratton. And, and uh, I think and LaFondra hadn't been there yet. He, he was still playing in India. So it, it, you're asking a lot for those young players who, mind you, are very, very good players like Patrick Wood. He he's had a you know he had an absolute ball over in in Uzbekistan playing playing for the Oli Roos and their um, AFC under twenty three qualifiers. So they they you are asking a lot from young players to fill in if they need if need be. But um, yeah, I think the, again if there's injuries, uh, the the um, I guess the depth of the sides you really get tested. But um, yeah, look, there's, there's still going to be a threat. Yes, and they are led by Steve Corica. Again, as uh, Scott, he's just uh, been inducted into the Queensland Sport Hall of Fame. He will be. He's the fourth person to be in there, along with Mark Shield, uh, Frank Farina, and Craig Moore. Oh, first fourth football person. So congratulations to Steve Corica. That's it. And now we hope that he has a miserable season in charge of Sydney FC. Absolutely. <laughs> but that is just the raw fans in us uh, talking about. It's not personal, uh, Steve. We promise. No, it's mostly just to do with the colour of tie that you wear on the weekend. If he, if he was wearing an orange tie, uh, not that we want to replace Warren Moon, I'm sure it would be all good. Okay, Wellington. Last season they finished seventh, but again, like they're back in a hub at least for the early part of the coming campaign. Yeah, Gary Hooper and Nicholas Pennington are out, but it just feels like they've lost far too many players to be uh, competitive this season. And they are, according to your list here, Scott... The only raw connect, only uh, side with no raw connections uh, in their team. They have because Luke Devere has also moved on, and they've lost a lot of players, haven't they? Wellington Phoenix. I mean, you mentioned a couple there. Davila, we've already spoken about him. Cam Devlin, we've spoken about him. Toma Hamed, we'll talk about in a minute with Western Sydney. Stephen Taylor retiring is a big loss as well. It's just a big loss of experience and key players throughout the spine of that team that they haven't really been able to replace to this point in time. I'm assuming when the January tournament opens, they're going to go out and add a couple of experienced players. But at the moment, they look very light on for experience. They've got a few experienced players in the squad, but apart from that, it's 
a lot of young New Zealand players who we haven't seen enough of to have any sort of opinion. So I think it'd be interesting to see how they go, but hopefully they can get home at some point as well because it's been a very, very... It's been... We talk about for Perth. For Wellington, it's been even tougher to be in a different country for... This is the third season they've had to do it. They had to finish last... The 2019-20 season in a hub. Play 90% of the games... Or 95% of the games over here last year. And hopefully they can get home at some point. But we'll have to wait and see. I think it's going to be a bit of a tough season for Wellington. Just a uh, quick look at the draw. The earliest uh, venue to be confirmed date for Wellington is Saturday the 29th of January when they're meant to be hosting Melbourne Victory. Hopefully the Trans-Tasman bubble will be will allow them to head home and uh, play games back in the cake tin because it really was uh, for the couple of times they were able to get home last season a, you know, a huge response and fingers crossed we'll see that again Scott. And if it does move as many games to Wellington as you can because they've had so many away games in the last three years they're due a big batch of home games. The, yeah, the Raw game on the 12th of March, which is meant to be at Morton Daly Stadium. I would happily see that. Uh, I would happily see the Raw give up their home date to move it to Wellington if they are allowed to. Not only because I think it would be, you know, a wonderful gesture, but also because I may be otherwise engaged that weekend. I was going to say, I don't think the Raw share that, uh, <laughs> share that gratitude. But yeah, look, um, yeah, it's unfortunate Wellington, I think... Um, yeah, their, their season pretty much has been hijacked again because of circumstances surrounding the pandemic. Um, but also as well, and personnel-wise, it's very, very hard to replace that. That quartet of players that we just mentioned, Taylor DeVia, Devlin and uh, Hamed, uh, who were four players that really starred for Wellington in that back end of the season where they really came with a rush and just missed out on the finals last season. Um, it's going to be really tough to replace them. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, look, I think playing playing in Australia the first first half of the season is going to be tough. Um, look, they're going to be a good side un, under Ufak Tale, but uh, yeah, I just think it might be, again, too much to ask. You know, for the start of the season, too much to, uh, to get into the finals. Scrappy is how I would describe them, and Scrappy is also how I would describe uh, the Western Sydney Wanderers for this coming season. That, well, I... They have added another uh, former Premier League player, Jack Rodwell, who is another one-time promising youngster who has battled injuries. But that, I'll be honest, that midfield that they're uh, lining up with, just looking at some of the names in their squad, Terry Antonis, Dimi Petrados, Jack Rodwell, going to be a few uh, fairly interesting players to follow. And guys that I actually think could be quite impactful for the Wanderers this season, Adam. Uh, yeah, look, uh, they're, they're heavy recruiting. I think thirteen new players um, in, into that in that squad. So Carl Robinson has you know, really gone out and you know put the broom to a side. I think probably the, for mine, probably the most disappointing side last season as far as expectation goes. Um, and like I said they've we've recruited they've recruited heavily. And if this side sort of comes together, um, you know, very very quickly. Uh, they, they could be ones to watch, but on the flip side, if they do struggle, and that's starting with a poor performance in the derby on Saturday night, the pressure's going to be on Carl Robinson as far as his job security if uh, Western Sydney struggles. So it's going to be double-edged sword for him. They can either really put a step forward and really sort of, you know, throw the hat in the ring as far as early challenges, or if they struggle, um, yeah, it, Robinson might get his marching papers sooner than we think. That could absolutely happen if it doesn't go well for the Wanderers. I think they've got a really good squad on paper. It looks to me 
one of the best squads in, in the league. I think it's a really good players they put together. And the Adamants had to put a broom through that squad. They had to put a broom through that squad. It was nowhere near good enough last year. It was completely embarrassing for them. I think this squad looks a lot better. It's got to, it just has to work, though, for Western Sydney. How many years have they been rebuilding and trying to get back to some sort of relevance now in terms of not really either making the finals or contributing to them in any sort of meaningful way? So this has to work. I think it will work. I think it's a really good squad they put together down there, and I'm backing them to have a really good season. The, the players that brought in, guys like Petrados and Reese Williams, Adama Traore, they all know the league and they've got quality. We saw Toma Hamed last year had a had a really good year for Wellington. For me, I thought he was really good for them. So, I think they I think they're going to be a real real danger. So, James, they've got a lot of depth as well. I mean, players like Rami Nazarene is going to be coming off the bench, and he was a standout for Newcastle last year. So, I think they've got a really good squad there, and I think they're going to they're going to do I think they're going to be in the mix this year. For sure. And uh, also, I should mention one of the departures was former Raw striker and several other clubs, Scott McDonald, uh, who has taken up the post with Gold Coast Knights here in the National Premier League's Queensland competition. So uh, he has uh, moved on from his playing days and will take up the high-pressure uh, stage at Carrara. Who, who we also hear has taken the broom to that, to that squad. <laughs> so um, he may be learning from Carl Robinson. Now, the, one last point I'll make about Western Sydney Wanderers as well. It's important for them as well to do well because... They, they play in the best stadium in Australia right now. So visually for the league, I think having big crowds, having that rabid slash passionate, you know, you know, Wanderers support you know, led by the RBB, you know, back at, you know, at Combank Stadium. Um, I think that that's important visually for the league as well. So I think they, they've got the squad to do it. They've just got to then perform. Okay, good job remembering that it has been uh, renamed Combank Stadium, Adam, because I can guarantee I would have uh, accidentally let Bankwest Stadium slip through otherwise. And because of that, we'll let you lead off the thoughts on Western United. There is a pretty decent Brisbane Raw flavour there with John Aloisi taking the helm and he's double-dipped with Jamie Young and Dylan Wenzel-Hall also making the move uh, down south. Oh, look, this... Western United's chances, you know, this is the, actually the one side that, you know, when doing my notes, I was really torn on what I think as far as what they're going to do this season. Because, look, beside, besides the Aloisi slash Young slash Dylan Wenzel Hall's, you know, influence there, that's, sort of, you know... Don't forget Luskin. Yeah, and Steve Luskin, making them making want to sort of, you know, watch how they go. Um... They've, they've recruited well. Um, as well, they're sort of the, the uh, visa players that brought in, you know, Rene Kieran Crin could be anything uh, in this league. Uh, same with Alexander Priyovich. I think that's right. Priyovich. Um, like, yep, they, I think they, they could be anything. But then again, I worry about this, the ageless squad. And I, I sort of always start thinking back to when John Aloisi had, uh, quote, Dad's Army. Up here, so where the side is built for, you know, to, to challenge for for the championship, or is it enough with this, with experience just to get into the, you know, the bottom of the final series, just to sort of paddle water? And you know, when you have an aging squad, it means that younger players are not getting opportunities. So, I, look, I'm really torn about how they'll go, but as far as a finishing position, but I think they're going to be fascinating to watch. I think yeah, with John Lucy the. Here in Brisbane, we know he does very much favour his experienced players. He's gone down that path again. I think for this year alone, I think the players he's brought in are pretty good in terms of that. They're of the most of these players about 30, 31. So they're in the, the sweet spot of their career still. But 
it's if he goes again and adds more and more down the road we saw with the Raw, it just could become too much in terms of the experienced players. But for this year's squad, I do think it's actually a pretty good one for them. You mentioned Rennie Kieran could be anything for them. Like Diamante, we know what a quality player he still is. I think Leo Lacroix, if they can keep him fit at the back, could be a really, really important player for them. But they've also got some young guys here who I hope get opportunities. I mean, I'm talking about guys like Christian Theoharis and Noah Bodic, who, particularly Noah Bodic, who is a if they, if we're going to produce another really top line Australian striker for the next generation, he might be the one, given his pedigree and what he's already done. So I hope players like that get their opportunity. But like what Adam said, we know Aloisi very much prefers his experienced players, and their minutes might be limited. But I think they're still going to be a really competitive side this year. And don't forget Seb Pasquale as well, who was you know a absolute you know, you know phenom before he went off to Europe and sort of has found his way back at. Uh, at Western United, and we hope that you know, he actually you know, continues on you know, and develops as a player. Sorry, James, do you think Dylan's going to be getting more opportunities this time under John Aloisi than he did up here in Brisbane? Because he was used very sparingly the first time, obviously. That was a different situation. I'll give I'll give Aloisi a bit of a pass in terms of the management of uh, Wenzel Halls early on, because let's not forget, he was just coming off an NPL season uh, with Western Pride, or half an NPL season with Western Pride. I, I do hope that, you know, the two uh, Raw guys that they have signed this off-season, Wenzel Halls especially, I hope that it goes well for them. I do think, especially uh, for the young striker, he did need a change of scenery. You could see the talent there, but it was just a case of building on that and obviously having a mentor with a proven record as a player uh, that John Aloisi had. You hope that he can uh, thrive under that mentorship it does hurt to see Jamie Young leave as well, but no ifs, if ands, or buts about it. Would have loved to have seen him uh, stick around, but for me, this is a case of letting Jamie Young go a year too early rather than a year too late. Because, let's be honest, he is, what, late 30s now. It seems like this is mostly just a stopgap situation just to try and close out uh, the rest of his career. So that's pretty much where I'm landing on Western United. They do seem to have the widest range of possible finishing positions because if it goes well, I could see them finishing top four. If it all goes wrong, they could be uh, in contention for the wooden spoon again. You just don't know. But there are a few clubs in that position. And now what we are going to do, just uh, to keep everyone happy because we have been going for an hour or so, we'll get to our season predictions. Scott, you get to go first. Uh, this is the part of the show I was not looking forward to. Do you want me to go reverse order? Yes. All right, so 12th, I've got Wellington. I just can't put them anywhere else at the moment, given the squad that they have. It's just too thin. 11, Central Coast. 10, Adelaide. 9, MacArthur. 8, Newcastle. 7, Perth. 6, Western United. 5, Melbourne Victory. 4, Brisbane Roar. 3, Sydney FC. Two Western Sydney Wanderers, one Melbourne City. The, the top right. three to me are pretty clearly the best three squads, and then everyone else after that I can find a bit of a flaw with. So for me, it's racing three for the Premiership. Adam, you're up next. Yep. Uh, look, I'll just preface it by saying that, you know, from about team three to nine, it may be one or two wins that could and you know circumstances could change it so my, my prediction especially for those teams I have absolutely no confidence but anyway here goes for my season predictions in 12th Newcastle Jets 11th Central Coast Mariners 10th Wellington Phoenix 
9th Adelaide United, 8th Perth Glory, 7th Melbourne Victory, 6th Sydney FC, 5 Brisbane Raw, 4 Western United, 3 MacArthur FC, and then my top two, Western Sydney Wanderers, and I see Melbourne City retaining the Premiership. Fair enough. Well, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as uh, the two of you as well. Um, I feel like this league is uh, split into three uh, fairly clear tiers. You've got uh, the Wooden Spoon Race. I've got 12th place, Wellington Phoenix. 11th place, Central Coast. And 10th place, Newcastle Jets. Then, same uh, as you guys, the next seven or so teams really are a, you know, a toss of the coin in terms of who can finish where, but I've settled on ninth place, Adelaide United. Eighth, Perth Glory, and that is largely down to just the fact that I think they're going to be possibly uh, even in the wooden spoon position in January before rallying. Seventh place, Western United, close but not close enough for uh, Aloisi. Sixth, Western Sydney Wanderers. Fifth, Ulysses Tavia, I mean uh, MacArthur. Fourth place, Brisbane Raw. Third place, Melbourne Victory. And then I think it is going to be a light blue race for the Premier's plate once again. Sydney FC in second place and Melbourne City taking it out on goal difference. We really went out on a limb there, didn't we? We were all picking Melbourne City to win the league. <laughs> Safe fix. Yeah, pretty much. All right, um, golden boot predictions. I'm going Jamie McLaren from Melbourne City. Scott, what about you? Uh, yeah, McLaren. It's the obvious pick, isn't it? He's always up there. It's the safe pick. Adam? I've changed my my, my uh, tip probably about three times in the last 20 minutes. And I've been so long time <laughs> at Hamed from West Sydney Wanderers. There we go. Okay, so one of us has finally gone out on a limb. Uh, player to watch this season. Adam, we'll lead off with you here. Um, three players, three uh, visa players. I think uh, Rene Kieran from um, Kieran from uh, Western United. As I said in the preview, he could, he could be anything. Um, also, as well, Kajiro Agawa from uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. The talk room from his J League exploits is he could be one to watch. Not that uh, yeah, Western Sydney Wanderers have uh, had issues with had any problems with Japanese superstars in the past. And also as well, I think uh, Daniel Sturridge is going to be one to watch. I think his, as I said before, his his fortunes yeah, are connected with Perth Glory. And I think the league, we're watching Daniel Sturridge. So he has to be much sleep television. Okay, Scott, one play, to watch. What's that? All right, well, one I'm going to take, I'm going to go... <laughs> player. I'm going to go with two. I won't cheat like Adam. I'll go with two. Uh, Marco Tilio and Chris Economides. Australian football needs creativity in the front third but don't, don't want to deal with the Socceroos problems I think those two could be in for big seasons for the respective teams down there in Melbourne so those two for me but also Juan Lascano keep an eye on him as well um, I would just like to point out I said one player to watch you said I'm not going to cheat like Adam I've got two players to watch yeah you said they're not going three anyway I just, just give, I had to give I had to give some mention to Brisbane in this show it wouldn't well, be I was got, didn't. well I was well, my player to watch is actually from Brisbane, and it's going to be Ramad Akbari. He's uh, been freed up in a much more attacking role in the preseason games that we've seen, and it looks like he is really thriving in that. So, again, he could be that secondary goal-scoring option that the Raw uh, have been looking for since Brett Holman uh, really started to battle injury. And uh, I won't ask you to go out on a limb and name names, just a simple yes or no. Coach has sacked mid-season. Yes or no? Scott? 
No, but if Wanderers don't start well, it will be Carl Robinson. Adam, yes or no? That's exactly the same response I had. That uh, usually the, the A League is pretty stable, but uh, that might be an exception. I'm going to say yes. Someone will be uh, sacked mid-season. I just wish I knew who. Which I knew who. All right. Now for round one, we'll keep this fairly quick because we do have uh, a special bonus episode to record straight after this, and we will lead off with uh, round one. The season open open up Melbourne City, Brisbane Raw. Uh, at Amy Park Friday night, 6.45 Brisbane time kickoff, and you can catch that on Paramount+. Plus. And the record down at Amy Park is not great. The last six times the Raw have faced Melbourne City at Amy Park, it's finished in a Melbourne City win. Their last victory there against Melbourne City came in 2010. So it's not great news for the Raw as the visiting side. Um, yeah, Scott, just quickly, what are you looking for in this match? Well, firstly, both these sides come into this game having played against Queensland side, Queensland All-Star sides over the weekend. Obviously, the Raw played against the <laughs> MPL side at Perry Park, and Melbourne City played against South Melbourne at the weekend. So both tuning up against Queensland All-Star oppositions, different results. But what am I looking for? I want to see how the Raw go in this game. It's a real litmus test, isn't it? To go away to the defending champions, week, weekend one, first game of the year, it's a chance to really make a statement for the Raw in this game. I think it's going to be a tough ask from giving their record down in Melbourne, but we'll see how they go. Adam, what are you looking for? Uh, look, uh, Raw haven't beaten Melbourne City in a decade down at uh, Amy Park, and I think we'll be waiting a while longer, unfortunately. Uh, look, it, look, Melbourne City are going to be primed for it. You know, first game of the season, you know, and I think, I think they will probably uh, get the job done. I just I just hope Raw actually go put in a decent performance and put up some fight. There Scott are questions Lassler. of who's going to be playing for Melbourne City. They're given McLaren and Leckie are going to be getting back on the plane today, tomorrow, whenever it is. Don't know if they're going to be involved for Melbourne City on Friday. If they're not there, that does balance things out a little bit. And that is exactly why I think it is going to be a real slog of a match. Uh, probably uh, fairly low scoring, maybe 1-0, 2-0. But look, I'm sure this uh, will definitely get plastered up over uh, the walls of uh, Raw HQ down on the Gold Coast at training, but uh, I've got to take Melbourne City to win as well. I think the Raw's defense will keep them in the game, but I just think City have uh, too much talent and will remind everyone why they are the benchmark where they get a win, even if they aren't uh, fit and firing at a level they might hope for. All right, we've gone around the A-League men's competition. We've previewed every club. We've given you our predictions. The season gets underway this Friday, so that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, boys. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you, boys, once again. Definitely. And thank you, everybody, for listening, whether it be on uh, the podcast feed, Clutch Radio, or A-League Live app. Uh, It's been a pleasure bringing you the uh, season preview, the comprehensive season preview. We'll be back next Wednesday to discuss all things round one across the A-League men's competition. In the meantime, enjoy the football. We'll speak to you then.